0: Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Joe, if you don't know me. And I'm really excited to be closing out our series called Chasing the Wind, where we've been spending all month long in the book of Ecclesiastes um, talking about the meaning of life. Uh, And uh, we've even learned some Hebrew. Um, Pastor Keith said it just before. Hevel, which means a smoke, a vapor, uh, an enigma. uh, And the closest English truth. I'm oh, sorry. The closest English translations that we have for Havel are meaningless or vanity. Um, and we've been using that word in Ecclesiastes to describe the aspects of life. Uh, and in the first part of the series, we learned that the author of Ecclesiastes, the central message of Ecclesiastes is if you're looking for meaning from things under the sun, you're going to be let down. Um, it, it's, it's not going to satisfy, and that it only will satisfy when we start looking above the sun. And then in part two, we learned about pleasure, how it was designed by God to be enjoyed in our lives when we approach it in a godly way, when we use wisdom to approach it in the way that God's designed it. And then in part three, we learned that our identities do not need to be in our job, our work, something that is fleeting, something that is temporary, that's ever-changing. Once we start putting our meaning in Christ as the center, we then do our work for the Lord. We do good work knowing that we have secure salvation in Jesus. And now we're in part four. So now what? Well, I, I was actually just brought up here to recap parts one two, three. So I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Um, <laughs> no, so part four of this is, okay, now that we've learned about those things, how do we not forget about this? How do we lead out a life that honors God, um, that brings true meaning in our life? How do we not forget about these things that we try to chase but it's, it's just fleeting things. And before we really get into it, um, I do have a confession. If it wasn't for this device in my pocket, I probably would be the most forgetful person in the world. I rely so much on the Reminders app on my phone. It's, it's kind of a little embarrassing. I have reminders for taking vitamins, for taking the garbage out, um, remind myself when a TV show comes out. I rely so much on this. The, the list is longer than, than we have time to discuss. Um, but the most frustrating thing is that I still forget things. I still, and maybe you can relate, I still forget things. I'll forget a friend's birthday, but then I'm belting out every lyric to Phantom of the Opera in my car. And I'm just, I'm frustrated. I'm like, how how can I do that? But I, I can forget something so important. Um, And this isn't just something that is exclusive to like day-to-day tasks or work tasks. Um, I found that sometimes this can happen too in my relationship with God. Uh, And maybe you can relate. Maybe there were times uh, where you said to yourself or you said to your head like, God, I would have loved to spend time with you today, but if you could have just seen my day. If you could have just seen what I what I went through, I uh, just slipped my mind. I forgot, or or God, I could have really used some some guidance on this conflict, but I can't quite recall what your word says about it. Um, or maybe for you this morning, it's God. I'm not. I'm struggling. I'm not sure if you're even real, and the situation that I'm going in is the biggest thing that's happening for me. I just can't think about anything else going on in my life, and for me. I can remember in my past where I kind of used God as the last-ditch effort, the Hail Mary, the, oh, you know what, let me let me turn to God. Maybe it, right. this is kind of like the last minute. I'm in a really, I'm in a bind. Oh, God, maybe you can comfort you. Maybe you can help me. Um, but what we're going to learn today is that it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be this thing where it is kind of our last resort. It, it, it's something that is always should be our first response. And as we close the series, I don't want to continue chasing the wind. I don't want to continue running after things that are just not going to satisfy, that are here one second and gone the next. So today, let's discover how we can live a wise life, how we can live a a life that honors God and produces real, lasting impact. And I want to start in Ecclesiastes 12, which is actually the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. And what we're going to read is something that is directed towards people who are younger or in their youth. But no matter what your age is today, this is something that we want for ourselves, for our family, for our children, for the next generation. So if you turn to Ecclesiastes, starting in verse 1, it says, Don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Now listen, if you know another human being that's older than you, then you're young. You're younger than somebody. So th- this, is, this is something that applies to us all. But I think the reason that the author of Ecclesiastes was gearing this towards um, people who are younger is because when you're younger and you're growing up, like the world is your oyster. Like You're, you're just getting started in your adult life. You're excited. You're ener- energetic. You're ready to kind of chase things down. But there lies the pitfalls that we've seen in, in previous weeks. When you are young and you're so focused, you could be so focused on success. You could be so focused on pleasures that God takes that back seat. Or there isn't just room. It, it doesn't have enough room in your life for, for God. And as many believe that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, the author would be speaking from experience here. Solomon, a young king, given earthly wisdom, given godly wisdom, given kind of everything that he could ever ask for. And when he looks back on it all, it's Havel. It's, it, it is just here one second and gone the next. But I don't want to let this get you down. This is not a, a downer message, because the words of Ecclesiastes, yes, they are challenging, but they are necessary. They're necessary to bring about this godly wisdom, this change, this transformation in our lives. If we go to Ecclesiastes 12, verse 11, it says, The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. Now, this analogy at the time of writing this would have been picked up and understood, you know, very easily um, in in this time. But I want to put this in 2022 words. The thing that when I read this verse, this is the sentences that came to my mind. Following God's wisdom is going to be counterculture. It's going to take discipline. But God's word is the helpful reminder that we need to look to in order to find meaning in our lives while we're here on earth. And during Jesus's time on earth, he, he's spoken about this. He, he preached to crowds. And when Jesus was on earth, he used parables or simple stories to kind of get his message across. And I want to look at one of them. In Matthew 7 Um, so let's read in Matthew 7 what Jesus says about God's wisdom in our lives starting in verse 24 he says anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock but anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who has built a house on a sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus' teachings were direct. They were challenging. They were counterculture. And yet it says, following them puts us on a solid foundation. When we're experiencing the roller coaster of, Of life and and I want to stop to recognize that this could be a situation that you or someone you love is in right this very moment maybe for you things are feeling out of control things are feeling relentless they're feeling tiring they're feeling depressing but know that today that you weren't designed to take on this alone you weren't designed to be oh I'm self-sufficient I can take on these challenges of life because God is our bedrock he's our solid foundation and Jesus is saying it's not just good enough to to hear it. It's not just good enough to to consume it, to be to expect to be on good footing. It's both hearing it and obeying it that provides us the wisdom and comfort during the good times and the bad. Yeah. And I remember countless times growing up listening to some great wisdom from my mom and dad. And maybe you can relate. You've heard, you, you've gotten wisdom about career, schooling, um, relationships, uh, you name it. Um, but I know that I look back and sometimes I'm like, I listened, but I did not take that action. I did not obey. And some of those things I'm, I'm kicking myself saying, why? Why didn't you do those things? And I imagine that's how sometimes God Thinks of us. He's given us the tools. He's given us the necessary teachings the Holy Spirit in our lives Just ready for us to take advantage of it Um, These wonderful things that are offered, but do we always remember to do so? It's critical not to forget the wisdom given to us by God through his word Because that's how it's gonna remind us not to just listen, but to also obey to take action and before Jesus came to Earth to, to talk about that parable, the author of Ecclesiastes summarizes that same sentiment in the last verses of Ecclesiastes. Starting in 12:13, um, the author says, "That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion: Fear God and obey His commands. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing whether good or bad. So it's fear God, obey his commands. So let's break that down. What, it, what does it mean to fear God? Because fear in the English language has a very negative connotation, but to, to fear God is to revere, to recognize, to be in awe of God's power, his love, his mercy, his will, his grace. And while we develop that, and have that healthy fear of God, it's obeying his commands that we read in his word. And it sounds like a very simple formula, right? Like this plus this equals that. Um, but as we've learned throughout this whole series, like we can't do this by our own power. We can't do this by ourselves. It starts with a deep appreciation and recogni- recognition that God is gracious. In his graciousness, he sacrificed his son to abolish sin, defeat death, and rise from the grave in order for us to obtain something that the author of Ecclesiastes didn't even have at the time, a savior who we can worship, a savior who we can remember, the sacrifice that enabled us to have a right relationship with God, no matter how we've sinned in the past, the present, the future. And this is what drives us to recall God's wisdom, this is what drives us, and, you, and we use that as a guiding light to find meaning in all the havel, all of the vapor, all of the, the day-to-day ongoings of our lives. And I love what Philip Reichen writes about in their book on Ecclesiastes. They say, the older we get, the more we forget. <laughs> but if we make a lifelong practice of remembering our Creator, if we maintain godly habits of daily prayer— personal Bible reading and faithful worship and service in a local church, we will never forget the most important truths in the universe. We will always remember who our Savior is. We will know how faithfully he has walked with us all through life and how many promises he has made to us for eternity. What a beautiful way to to sum up this this idea of not forgetting. It's a lifelong practice. Um, It's not a to-do list. Uh, It's actually taking action to remember God in our lives. Uh, But you may may say to yourself, like, where do I begin? Like, this, I, I understand, but how do I, where do I start? How do I practice this? How do I continue practicing this in my relationship with God? Um, Because we're hearing that we need to remember God. Um, We need to honor, we need to follow his wisdom, and that's what's going to lead us to that meaningful existence, that meaningful, true life. Um, But what can we take away with us today in order to do that? So I want to look at the words of Jesus' brother, James, who has has given us that starting point. Uh, In the beginning of the book of James, James gives us three actions that we can take um, to not forget. To, to live that godly wisdom life out. I mean, those three things are to listen, to let go, and to live it out. Um, so I want to break this down to, to all three and read James. We're going to start in James 1 to learn more about how we do this. James 1, 19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So, my, my five-year-old daughter, who's, who's in kid zone, she'll be the first to tell you that I'm not always quick to listen. Dad is not always quick to listen. Um, and she gets upset because sometimes, you know, I cut her off, I interrupt her. Um, and now you have a grown man. I'm, I'm going to defend myself here for a second. The reason that I do that, the reason that I feel like oh, I have to cut her off is because I'm the adult, Right. I feel like I I know best. Um, I know what's going to be the best kind of guidance for her situations. Um, But she's right. I'm cutting her off. Uh, And Harper, if you're watching this one day, I am sorry. Um, (laughs) But can't we sometimes do that with God, where we feel like we're the ones who know best? We're the ones who know how to navigate the situation in our life. We're cutting them off saying, like, God, you don't understand, like... I'm being peer pressured right now. Like, I, I'm, I'm being peer pressured for this situation. Or God, you don't understand. I know your word says that. I know your word says it about that, but I, I'm going to interpret it in my own way. Um, or maybe the conversation is, is is not even with God. It's more like, I'm going to be quick to listen to anything that I think is right, or I think, or the world tells me is the right way to do things. But James points out this critical step for godly wisdom is we need to be quick to listen to God's word, quick to cling on to those values and commands, um, and be slow to speak out of our own worldly wisdom or our own thoughts. James goes on to say in verse 20 of uh, chapter 1, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. And when I read this, the, one of the questions that I thought of is, what is something holding you back from going all in with God? Is it lust? Is it greed? Is it power? Uh, it, it, it's, what is that something that is preventing you from listening and obeying to that word? Or to rephrase it, another way of saying it is, what do you need to let go of today? What do you need to let go of? Get rid of that filth, that evil. Because James makes it crystal clear. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it on one hand where you allow anger, filth, evil in your lives, and then on the other hand, receive God's word in a meaningful way. Paul also reminds us of this in Romans, Romans 12, too. Paul says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's not just listening. We're called to live in a way that the world tells us is odd. I live in a way that the world tells us is pointless or wrong. But living a life for Jesus is the only thing that is not going to let you down. Paul tells us, let God transform you today. Living for him is worth it. And then James goes on in verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, You are only fooling yourselves, for if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. This is living it out. And it's not just a checklist. It's not just a to-do list. It's not saying, okay, I prayed today. I read my Bible. I said amen four times during Joe's sermon. Uh, It's not just that. James is actually challenging us to say, all right, you're now listening to what God's word said. Um, You're actively trying not to be of this world. But what are you going to do about it? And and honestly, when I read these verses, it really challenged me. It made me ask myself, like, am I always living it out? And and I know there's times where I'm going to be drawn to react in my my own way, the flesh's way versus God's way. But but don't let this discourage you because we're not called to perfection. There was only one human who lived a perfect, right relationship with God on this earth, and that was Jesus Christ, a man unblemished who was killed for our sins and who rose from the dead so that we can know God. Living out a meaningful, godly life is about worshiping God our Savior. It's about recognizing our need for Jesus and pursuing a life that honors him. If we remember those three things, listen, let go, live it out, we will have the formula, the foundation for remembering our creator, for remembering our Savior, our God who has always remembered us. And these are the things that keep us from forgetting about chasing the wind, from trying to find meaning in the havel of it all. I want to invite the worship team back up. And as we wrap up this series, Chasing the Wind, I'm just so thankful that we have the book of Ecclesiastes to look to in the Bible. It's it's an authentic look at life on earth and reminds us that we are going, we're going to be let down if we're trying to find meaning in anything else besides God, trying to find meaning and goals of success, power, pleasure, possessions, the praise of others. But when we look to God, and when we recognize that He is in control, that He is more powerful than we could imagine, and that His plan was to send His Son to save us, to save you, to save me, it's the ultimate reminder that we need in our life. It's the ultimate reminder of our creator who saved us. And I don't want us to forget that this morning. So I want to pray. I want to encourage us this morning to listen, to let go, to live it out, to use God's word as our guiding light, as our wisdom as we navigate life. So if you'd bow your heads. Father God, I want to thank you for this opportunity of worship, Lord. Some of us right now might be going through the turbulent storms of life, Lord. And I want them to know that this is not something you do on your own. We have a mighty God, a God who is all-powerful, who has overcome sin and death. Lord, I I pray for those who, who feel like they are in that situation, that you soften their hearts. I pray for us that we continue to to use the book of Ecclesiastes and and the other parts of your word, Lord, to, to navigate our lives, for those to be our guiding light, to use that for our spotlight on each situation. Lord, use your Holy Spirit in us to remind us not to chase the wind to remind us not to chase down the havel of life, Lord, because we know that it's all, it's all about you. It's all about your son. It's all about remembering you, God, and what you've done to save us. Pray this in your name. Amen.